FindCollabs is a platform for finding collaborators and building projects. It's a company that I started, and I've been doing a few shows that cover the overall landscape of the platform and the developments within it. Three months ago, we had our first hackathon, with lots of projects being created and collaborated on. In an earlier episode, we showcased the first place winner, which was an augmented reality game called A-Rhythm. Today's show features two more interviews with winners from the first Find Collabs hackathon. Kitspace is an open-source hardware registry, and Rivaly is an app for informal ranked leagues, such as ping-pong games at work or board game clubs among your friends. These projects were made and displayed on Find Collabs, and there are many more projects that have been created in addition to these. This episode is somewhat promotional of my own company, so there's no ads on this show. It's airing on a Saturday. These are just some showcasing interviews from the winners of the hackathons. And if you're interested in entering our second Find Collabs hackathon, you can check it out by going to findcollabs.com open. So if you want to get a sense for how Find Collabs works and the kinds of projects that are on there, this episode is a nice sample. You can also check out the Find Collabs podcast, which is available in your various podcast players. Let's get on to the show. Casper Emanuel, you are the creator of Kitspace. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. Describe the state of hardware as you see it. Well, I mean, so hardware is quite a broad subject. So I'm, I'm an electronic engineer and I specialize in electronics. And I've been working in, in product design and doing electronics and firmware development. So that's really my area. I don't know if you if you could narrow it down a bit or <laughs> what. Sure. You, what... Well, more specifically, what are the problems that you see with the way that hardware is developed? Right. So I would say generally in electronics, at least, we're getting quite close to. On the whole, we're getting more and more digital manufacturing. So things like three D printing and CNC milling and laser cutting. We're using digital designs to go from. So we go from digital designs pretty directly to a, a, an actual physical thing. And in, in electronics, I feel like it's almost the, it's very close to, to getting to this point where you, you, you input a hardware design and you get out a, a physical product from your digital design files. However, the actual, the, the kind of the collaboration and the sharing of digital designs is severely limited by our conventions and file formats. And so in a way, the internet kind of hasn't reached digital manufacturing because of these limitations. So we can't freely, we can't as easily share a digital design as we can a computer program. I mean, we can share the design, but we then getting to the physical product, there's a lot of limitations and the limitations are in our conventions. Let's go deeper into that. So what parts of the hardware ecosystem are open source? I mean, that's per individual product. It's, it's, it's similar to open source software. There's, there's a big mix of things. Largely, every, most uh, hardware designs are proprietary. So most things that you see around you, those are proprietary designs. Open source design is fairly, I would say, niche at this stage. Is that a problem with the tools that we have? Like, is GitHub, a, you know, maybe not the, the best way to collaborate on, on open source for hardware? Or, or is, is it just something about the hardware medium that, that doesn't make as much sense to be open source? It's a mix of things. And I would definitely say that the tools at the moment are getting in our way. People do use GitHub to share open source designs, but... GitHub is made for software collaboration and it doesn't lend itself cleanly to, to collaborating on hardware products. Why did you start working with hardware? I am kind of, I think my interest is in computer, is in computer programming and I got 
uh, interested in computer programming quite early on. And for me, hardware is a way for a computer program to have an effect on the world we actually live in. So kind of my interest is really in what people call physical computing. So anything you can do, like you, if you can make a robot or a, a light, that really, th these things really fascinate me. So that's why I, I got into hardware development. And where do you work today as your, as your occupation? I work part-time at the University of Bath as a research support engineer. And I work freelance as a consultant for product design and for more and more for uh, scientific instrumentation, which is my job at Bath as well. What is Kitspace? So Kitspace is a, a platform for sharing electronics designs in a way that makes them easily replicatable. So the focus is on when you come across the project, making it as easy as possible for you to buy the parts that you need to replicate that project. Why did you start Kitspace? Initially, I started with the browser extension. So this, this automation of, of, of parts pur purchasing is done through a browser extension. And initially, I was, I was working at a startup. We were doing a hardware musical product. And it was quite a small thing. I just wanted to, I was supposed to buy some parts, but I didn't have the 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 company credit card so I was trying to send my friend the parts list so he could buy it at my colleague and there was no easy way to do that and as I as I got thinking about that more and more I realized that that's also uh, something that that people face when they're trying to collaborate on open source hardware electronics projects because it's it's impossible to send to really give that the bill of materials information over to someone else easily so they can buy the, the right parts. What do people do on Kitspace? So right now it's quite a light <laughs> experience. So mostly uh, projects are still hosted on external Git services like GitHub or GitLab or uh, your own server if you have the time to set one up. And it's kind of a front end to your existing repository. So people put their projects up and from a project page, you can easily see what the project's about. There's a readme and the, there's a preview of what the electronic circuit board would look like. And it gives you some buttons to easily buy the parts. So largely people right now put their projects up and other people buy the parts or even to a large extent, the people that have put their projects up themselves buy the parts because it's actually the easiest way to to buy all the parts. We have uh, a chat as well. And if you want to add your project, you can't currently have to send me a pull request on GitHub. So there's a lot of interaction there, talking to people and seeing that's kind of the social side of it at the moment is the chat and the GitHub issues. Give an example of a project on Kitspace, a hardware project that somebody could access and take a look at the designs of and potentially buy. Right. There are quite a few projects up there. There's, I think, over, it's approaching 70 projects up there at the moment. I don't know whether to start with a, give a simple project or a, or a more, or Let's do more one of each. Let's start with a simple one, then, then talk about a more complex one. So let's say a simple project would be, uh, this is one I've, I've put up. It's called push on, push on, hold off and it's it's just a it's a power switch. So you the functionality you see in a lot of laptops and a lot of other digital devices where you just press the button and it turns on, and you press the button again and it kind of shuts itself down. But if something goes wrong, you hold down longer for your device to hard re like hard turn off if if something has gone wrong. And that's used in a lot of different digital products. This is a circuit that I found online somewhere and I designed a board for it. And that's something that is really useful if you're prototyping a product and you, want, and you need that functionality. So that's like, I think it's six lines on the bill of materials and you can, could order that and, and uh, maybe use that in your prototype for, for a product. So d describe the experience a little bit more. If I'm 
posting a project on Kitspace, what do I do? So I, I post a link to the GitHub repository and, and like other things. Like how, how do I break down the components of the project? So you have your electronics design, which is normally done in a CAD program. You can actually just draw a circuit if you really want. And there are a few projects where I've done that and some other people have done that. But by the end of it, what you need are uh, what the manufacturer accepts are normally uh, Gerber files. So these are kind of drawings of all the different layers of your printed circuit board. So at minimum, you need the Gerber files and then a bill of materials listing all the different parts that you need to build the project. Uh, these are the, all the electronic components that go on and are soldered onto the printed circuit board uh, during the assembly process. So th- those are the two parts you need. The bill of materials is normally, you, we can, you can do that as an Excel file or a, a CSV or some kind of spreadsheet format. We do accept quite a range of formats now. And it just lists a reference, a quantity, so a reference to see when you're building it where that part goes on the board later, a quantity, and then a manufacturer, manufacturer part number, and uh, some stock keeping units for specific component distributors uh, that you know are the right part. When we're talking about hardware, we're implicitly talking about printed circuit board designs here in, in this case. So if I wanted, for example, a gyroscope sensor to uh, add to my maybe my home-built drone or my home-built Android cell phone, let's say I'm, I'm building my own cell phone, if I went out and bought a gyroscope system or a gyroscopic sensor on the internet, it would not be open source. So I wouldn't really understand how the thing is put together. And the difference on Kitspace is that you have these printed circuit board designs and you could have potentially a a gyroscopic sensor that would be represented by the printed circuit board design and then you would have a better idea of how this thing actually fits together. Is, is, Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, not completely because... There are a lot of, especially if you, if you in, in this example of a, a gyroscopic sensor, you would be able to get by a lot of, normally you would call this a breakout board. So you, you've got your, your chip, which, which, which is generally not open source anyway. So in open source hardware, the, 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 a lot of the trouble is there's, there's all these layers and not all of them are ever going to really be open in this day and age. But for a gyroscopic sensor specifically, I would suggest somewhere like uh, SparkFun or um, Adafruit, and you can get a nice breakout board for, uh, I mean, these days, it, it would really be what you were looking for would be an IMU, an initial measurement unit, which combine, combines the gyroscope and accelerometer and maybe a, a magnetometer into one chip. And then a nice Adafruit and SparkFun and some others will make a, design a nice breakout board and they will open source it so you can see what's going on, on on the breakout board design and they'll have nice tutorials to go with it. Right now, there's no <laughs> gyroscope IMU on, on Kidspace, so I, I would definitely recommend it in this case. What I see in the future, what might happen is as a new kind of sensor comes out, the first place where you will f- be able to get a breakout board will be Kidspace and you'll be able to quickly build your own breakout board at a faster turnaround, then you will be able to get one from these other distributors, I mean, all these other open source hardware design shops, really. What is the language or the file format for describing a typical PCB design? Yeah, I mean, this is what I went over earlier. The, out, the design outputs are normally the Gerber files and the bill of materials. And that's Gerber actually, file? Is that, that's the term? Yeah, that's the term, a Gerber, Gerber file. So that's what most manufacturers will accept. These days, there's some PCB services that will also accept your CAD files for KiCad or for Eagle. And these are CAD tools for designing printed circuit boards. So those files, I mean, if you look at Eagle files, those are normally XML files. KiCad has its own file formats. But really, what to get... To, to be able to shop around at 
different PCB services, you would want to use uh, Gerber files because that's what most people will accept. Are there any other places that are hubs for these open PCB designs, the, the Gerber files? So if, if you look at, there's some PCB services that have platforms that link, so sharing platforms where when you order your PCB design, you can also put it on their, on their platform. So that's then linked to a specific PCB batching service. The, so there's uh, PCB where it has one of those. Oshpark has a has one of those. Quite a few different PCB services have have these sharing platforms attached. There are some other attempts at combining combining the design files together with the parts, uh, as we're trying to do for Kitspace. There's co- one called OpenHardware.io, and that's really the only one I know of. That's that's a, a kind of similar to what we're trying to do. So so like an open hardware platform. Can you describe your long-term vision for the for the project in a little more detail? There's kind of two sides to it. The 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 vision for it is to enable collaboration on open source hardware designs. But all the tools we're developing, they're also they're obviously companies that do to make proprietary products, they have the same problem of, of the lack of automation in, in parts purchasing. So we're slowly approaching a point where we can sell the service to manufacturers as well. So the long-term vision is to be able to make the project financially sustainable through supporting small to medium batch electronics assemblers that, have, that waste a lot of time on parts purchasing currently and make it make the project sustainable through that and use that the software we're developing and and also allow people that are collaborating on open source hardware designs to use it freely that parts purchasing issue you're talking about can you explain that in more detail so i mean if we go from an example if you if you come across a project that's not on Kitspace, then you would have a lot of trouble <laughs> uh, since there's no convention in how to present the bill of materials that lists all the parts. So what happens then is that you don't, there's no quick way to buy the parts. The way you buy electronics parts is the distributors, they're kind of modeled after conventional online retailers so you have a search box and you're searching for edge individual part and you go to a parts page and there you click add to cart so if you're looking at an electronics project it's you know from 10 components to thousand to you know as if you, if you get into really complex designs like laptops you know even approaching an order of magnitude more and that's not a really quick way to actually buy components to click on each individual page and buy a part. So if you look at a small batch, small batch manufacturers, they don't have a, they don't have a, re, a solution for that. So they they spend a lot of man hours on procurement of electronic parts by using these sites. Talk about this vision of Kitspace as a business in a little more detail. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of in its infancy. Oh, I'm just we're just trialing we're just trialing our uh, our purchasing tool at a local small batch assembler, and that's that would be customer number one. So far, it's been feedback's been really good, and we've been kind of working with them and iterating on the product on what uh, the feedback they give us. So. Yeah, so as a business, I can I can see this working as to kind of offer the Kitspace platform internally at uh, at companies uh, like a so kind of a private access internally, so they can save time in parts purchasing, and they can as we as we develop it more, use it as a kind of a version control and central store for their projects. You and I met each other through the Find Collabs hackathon, which you got 
second place in. Was Find Collabs useful for you? Like, how, how would you describe your your experience with the product? So I think one of the biggest things was that it gave me this kind of central thing to point people at and say, "Can you? We're doing this. Uh, we're, we're doing this." Hackathon through Find Collabs. Can you help me with this? It gave me a reason to approach people locally and say, "Oh, we've, we're, I'm doing this thing. Here's what's happening. Come join me in the chat, and we'll uh, we'll do some work on it." And you know, so I think the the hackathon was quite a big part of that. Then on the other side, suddenly, which I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't expecting when I joined up was that actually people came from the other side of the world, from, from uh, uh, Los Angeles, and I actually don't know where our newest collaborator is from, uh, <laughs> but, and uh, joined in the chat and started making contributions to the open source project. So after, because I've been doing this for several years and I have not seen so much <laughs> of, uh, not that much in open source contributions. We have had some before, but it was definitely a spike in, in, in pull requests and discussion around the open source project. Now, if, if you look at the Find Collabs product, there's a lot of different areas that we're sort of trying to solve at once. And I'm not really sure which one of them to focus on or which area of the product to focus on. From your experience with the product, is there a particular place in Find Collabs that you, that you think is like most differentiated or is working the best? What, what would you advise me to focus on? Do you think you'll continue the, the contest element or is that to kind of bootstrap it and get the initial people in? You know, this is one thing I'm unsure about is this this hackathon idea is is good in some sense. Like it gets people... So you know the the ha- the structure of the hackathon was four thousand dollars for first place, thousand dollars for second place, and then third place was some hoodies. It, so it's it was a very top heavy format, and I think it created some perverse incentives. And also, it's it's like, do we want it to just be this platform where hackathons happen and then the hackathon ends and then people kind of like abandon ship? Uh, probably not. And I think that's the kind of uh, that. What I'm worried is that's the kind of behavior that we might be promoting through the hackathon. Is like people just kind of, you know, touristing to different projects and then you know leaving and not doing sustainable collaboration. And and the vision for the product is really just long term collaborative relationships. So I think we're going. Actually, I know we're going to do another hackathon, but I'm going to change the prize structure to make it a little bit flatter. And have a less less of this t- super top heavy, you know, four thousand dollars to first place kind of thing because I think that drove some some not great incentives. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I, it does remind me a bit of the if have you if you've come across Hackaday, probably. No, what is that? Hackaday.com is a very popular blog for well makers, hackers for hardware. So they also have Hackaday.io, which is a also kind of project sharing platform, but the way it works is more, it's a bit like use individual blogs for each project. And they have huge contests where I think the first Hackaday prize was, the, the first prize was a trip to space. <laughs> so, or I can't remember the money amount. It, they spend a lot of money on these contests, design contests for putting projects up. So... It must be somehow sustainable for them to do that. I think they had a quite a large audience to begin with through their blog, and then when they were acquired by a bigger company, they they went over to this contest format, and they managed to engage quite a lot of people still through the contest and through the through the platform. Yeah. What about you? I mean, do you is the hackathon element something that you would want out of this kind of platform? Because it sounds like yeah, it gave me a point to say to others around me already in my like in my in my local area to say okay i'm doing this thing do you want to join me in collaboration but maybe if 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 it's more about remote collaboration maybe that's less necessary but it was definitely that was definitely a good thing for me but whether that's your the (laughs) the the core of what you want to achieve i'm not 
do you think sure. you would have found I, maybe this is a hard hard question to answer but do you think you would have found people with find collabs without the hackathon happening like what, what's your sense of that the four of us here in bristol and we got together and then on the for the hackathon we actually got together in physically here <laughs> in one in one room and then i definitely don't think i would have found the others from america to which who are now contributing to the open source project and these the people that i found locally they my we were friends before so eventually i would have probably tried <laughs> tried to recruit them so to speak you've been in the software slash hardware, uh, you know, electronics engineering world for a while, what, what's been your experience with online collaboration? Because like part, part of the idea of Find Collabs for me is it's always seemed strange to me that we have this thing called the internet and we're all working on cool projects, or a lot of us are, and yet it's hard for us to find other people to collaborate with on those projects and instead we often end up working in in silos you know my question is more do you think this is something that it like is it a shortcoming of the tools that we are not collaborating or is it more a characteristic of people just like to work on stuff in isolation yeah i think it's definitely a bit of both and even even in software we see which is the way it is now couldn't imagine better tools for software collaboration, but largely there are still loads and loads of open source projects which are just led by one person working on it, and a few maybe drive by <laughs> contributions, but then still largely driven by one person. So I think that's that's probably human nature. But what we do see in software as well is obviously these massive collaboration, collaborative projects. And I think that should be possible in other areas of life as well. So I don't know what the answer is. I think it's an interesting question that I will continue to <laughs> ponder and explore. And mm. Do you consider yourself part of the, quote, maker culture? Um. I don't know. the The problem with the maker culture is it's kind of been I don't know what to say co opted or subsumed by Make Magazine. So they've kind of they've they've trademarked <laughs> the word make. Are you serious? Well, yeah, they have trademarked it. So if you want to make a maker fair, you've got to you've got to have approval from them. So I mean, there is definitely a cultural thing happening with more people getting into into DIY and into hacking and having hacker space, local hacker spaces. And I definitely consider myself to be part of that. What the right word for that whole movement is, I don't know, because of this, uh, yeah, because, because, because of uh, the association with Make Magazine. Do you have a, a broader problem with the closed source large corporation system by which we get a lot of the hardware that we use on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I think we could benefit from things being more open. I wouldn't consider myself radical or anything. I don't want to have a kind of political opposition to that. I would just say I, I'm interested in finding points of collaboration where openness helps and making that practical and seeing where that leads, really. And I think, as we've seen with open source software, I think we could find other spaces where it's really effective to have these open open projects. And, you know, in uh, companies, I'm hoping will come around to that and, and see the, the benefits of it. So at least we could have open core hardware products um, in competition with, completely closed products. I'm with you. So just to, to begin to wind down, are you like a, you're a listener of Software Engineering Daily, right? Like you listen to some yeah. episodes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably once, once, once or twice a week, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm not like advertising Find Collabs too much or too aggressively. I don't want people to feel like I'm abusing the platform that I kind of have. Do you feel at all like it? Like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, abusing the trust of the listeners by kind of 
you know displaying this thing that I'm I'm making? Oh, I mean, I hadn't considered it. I might be the wrong person to ask because I took part in it and I I really enjoyed taking part in it. So I didn't mind hearing about it again. <laughs> and then we won second place. So then we we had the Kidspace name as part of the second place announcement as uh, the hackathon winner announcement. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask. You'd have to ask someone that's not, that's not interested in fine collabs. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really heard from anybody yet, but I just I don't want to uh, to abuse the you know the platform in, in any case. Anyway, Casper, thanks for coming on the show. It's been really fun talking to you, and I'm really grateful that you took the time to post your project and to interact with other people on fine collabs. And you know, I consider you a, an early adopter of something that I'm I'm really serious about. Please keep in touch about the platform and uh, and your progress and, and any other thing I can help with. Simon Bingson, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you. So you were the third place winner of the Find Collabs Hackathon. That is this company, this product that I've been working on. And you got third place for this project that you started called Rivaly. And I'd like to talk through some different elements of this experience. I guess I'd like to start with Find Collabs. How did you find out about Find Collabs? So, yeah, I'm a longtime listener of the Software Engineering Daily. So, I heard one of the episodes about it and, and I just love the idea. So, I just had to check it out. And the idea of collaborating on the internet with, I guess, somewhat strange people, it, does it surprise you that this hasn't really been tackled by? other people or has not been successfully tackled or what, what's your personal experience with internet collaboration yeah so yeah definitely i'm surprised that it hasn't taken off anything else i guess the closest thing that i could think of is open source projects like on github or something like that or maybe even product hunt but nothing close to to find collapse so yeah i would definitely say i'm really surprised about that and do you think the the platform kind of works in its current set of incentives and like the modalities of of the product or because because my sense is that i'm not sure if it works entirely i mean obviously the vision is to have people spontaneously meeting each other and collaborating on new projects and it doesn't quite have the traction that i envision yet and i'm just trying to figure out if there's some kind of missing set of incentives what's your perspective there so what I love about it is that you can you just see all of those passionate people about, that they have like their own idea and their own product that they want to get off going and you get really excited about those things. So one thing that I found myself wanting to get involved in those projects is that I might, might not want to commit fully to by the short description that are on the projects. I might want to start a little bit slower, like making a few changes or co- communicating a little bit with people and yeah, getting started like a little bit slower and not commit fully right away. It's probably okay. Well, I'll talk more about your critiques a little bit later. What was your experience getting started with the platform? Like as you as you kind of onboarded with it, and I assume you heard about the hackathon, and then that was what made you start creating Rivaly. Tell me about your onboarding experience. Yeah, I had this uh, idea for, for some time to, to create Rivaly. Yeah, onboarding to, to find Collab, there, were, there was a few changes going in, in the beginning there. So there was uh, redesign coming along and all of those things was quite nice. And uh, I think right away there was a few people writing saying there was like a nice idea. So it was, not, was kind of a good start in that sense. Like you immediately started uh, communicating with people that might be interested in joining as well. So that was pretty cool. And when did you create Rivaly on the site? I think it was kind of right after I heard about it. So very, very soon after the episode on Software Engineering Daily. Describe what Rivaly is. What was your idea for it? So the idea is kind of an app for informal tournaments or ranked lists, kind of. So if you have, for example, a ping pong at work, you might want to know who is the best at ping pong at work, who's winning the most. So here's like a simple algorithm like ELO ranking like they do for chess. Like you can enter who won and who lost and you get in the end like a, a ranked list of who is the best ping pong player at work or who is the best at tennis among your friends or something like that. 
And when you started it on Find Collabs, what was your spec or what what did you have so far? Did you have any part of the code base or were you starting just from this idea? Just from the idea. I had nothing. So I had an idea, idea and a vision for it. I've made some rough sketches, but no code whatsoever. What's been your process in the past for hacking on side projects? A process as in uh, code-wise or, or more like design? More generally, going from an idea to building a mobile app or building a desktop app. Take me through that the creative process from the inspiration to actually having something in code. Yeah, so so I think the, mo- the most important in my process is probably releasing <laughs> uh, day two. Uh, so, so just creating something day one and then just releasing it day two and and then take it from there. And so basically doing the whole process in as few hours as possible. And then when you have done that, you can iterate on releasing the next version. Or if you want to do something else at that point, then it, that's fine as well. But I think that's the most important thing for my p- personal process. Why is that aggressive development so important to you? I think like, because often like, I found that a project doesn't get released and that's kind of sad. Like if, if you can get like an MVP or like something really rough out, out early, then you can kind of validate the idea and, and see, okay, is this something that is actually viable? Like, is this something that I actually want to spend my time on for, for more hours? Is this, do I, should I rather spend it on something else? Okay. So you started Rivaly the app for informal ranked leagues such as ping pong, the idea around the ELO scoring system for whatever informal game you're playing with other people. You just sketched out this idea on Find Collabs. And then what did you do after that? Uh, One of my favorite tools is Figma, if you've used it. Yeah, it's a sketch or like it's a design tool, basically. You can can do rough or like you can do even detailed designs on it. So it's really nice. Uh, so yeah, the first thing I did was just firing up this Figma and and uh, try to try out different designs that could possi- yeah could work. Right. I wish I would have learned design tools a little bit earlier in my career. Like it was only probably three years ago or four years ago when I started using Sketch and Photoshop and. Now I think Figma is is better than a lot of these other tools, or at least it's it provides a different workflow. There's also things like uh, there's what Envision. Envision's pretty cool. These prototyping tools. Why do you think it's useful for programmers to know these prototyping and design tools? I think it's really helpful to like to be able to sketch out ideas before coding them, so you, so you know if it's viable or not from a user point of view. Like oftenly when I start coding and haven't really sketched things out beforehand, I realize halfway through that, well, could have saved time by just doing this instead or something like that. So I think I think for me personally, it's mostly a time saver. I think I think it's also of course a way to make sure that it feels good from a user point of view. So. You created this project on Find Collabs. Did you actually find collaborators to work on with you on the project during the hackathon? So it was interesting. Like there was a lot of people interested in the beginning. They signed up a designer and also a product manager to the to the project. But uh, in the end, there was not really any collaboration happening outside of the uh, discussions we had on Find Collabs. So. Nothing in terms of code or designs or something like that. It was more like a, a discussion in that sense. Yeah, this is what makes me a little bit unsure about the current format of the platform. Is I think Fine Collabs is, is useful for kind of sketching out your ideas and and like hosting your different links and and kind of maybe framing your own thoughts about where this project is going. But unfortunately, a lot of people are are having trouble actually finding collaborators and getting collaboration there's there's been you know fewer positive case studies in that regard do you think that's a is that a characteristic of maybe just not having enough people on the platform or do you think maybe it's just people would prefer to work on their own projects rather than collaborate with others yeah if, if that was true i would be really sad that if, if it's actually like a fundamental issue like so i would love to do a project with other people like on fine collab but like I find, I find a product just today on Find Collab. It's called Grown Up, and it's like a really good idea for. for uh, <laughs> yes. Have you seen it? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Explain what that product is. So if I understood it correctly, it's like you can get help. Like you have an app or a platform that um, 
with, I think their example is like if you're going through a bankruptcy with your company, you can see others have done the same thing or like expert help from some like someone who's really good at that or has worked with it. Uh, so you can you, you like you can they walk you through the kind of the steps you need to take to be able to do the bankruptcy kind of if you're in that position or something else if you're something else. Yeah, and I really want to like that was something that I would love to contribute to that, but I'm I also know that I probably not I'm not committing to being the like the full time programmer of that project, so I would probably need to contribute smaller, and that might not be optimal for for the project either. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so this gets at one of the issues with the interface in its current form is that when you create a project, you create roles for those those projects, and and the way that the roles look is kind of like job descriptions. It looks like oh, I'm gonna have to join and do this like significant workload, and and th- I think this is in contrast to the experience on GitHub where. You know, in GitHub, if you want to contribute to an open source repository, you can go into the issues and you can find a good first issue. And you know, the issues are are oftentimes much more bite sized, and so it's it you can you know the level of commitment. So I, I don't know, maybe would do you think it would bloat the interface too much to add some kind of issues feature? Uh, no, I think that that would be like yeah, maybe not issues per se, but like some kind of bite sized work would be. I think that would be really cool. Like if if a grown up then, for example, wanted to have, oh, we need a design for for this idea here. Like some if some people could contribute that, it would be great. You can get like like a collaboration going like on a specific thing. That would be super cool, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, since you did not find collaborators, did you actually get anything out of Find Collabs itself, or was it more? just kind of experiment for you or you just kind of got the the hackathon part from it like what did you get did you really did you get anything out of the experience as uh, so i think what i enjoyed the most about the experience was just seeing find collab as a platform itself i guess i saw myself as a contributor to the platform more than anything else like i want, you sure I, want are. I want this to co- like i want this to work kind of way <laughs> But if I got anything out of it for the project itself, I mean, there was some feedback going in the discussion, uh, like in the in the comments. So that was nice. And and I obviously, like by the comments, I, I realized, oh, this is actually something that people are interested in too. So that was kind of nice. That was probably the, the main thing. Yeah, I guess that's kind of cool that it, it could be a forum for discussing these projects, like whether you're actually collaborating with other people on the work, you get collaboration in just kind of the audience. Maybe. So you ended up building this thing in Flutter. Tell me a little bit about Flutter as you see it. I hope for that being the future of mobile development. And now they also released uh, on Google I.O. the other day, Flutter for desktop and web. So that's super exciting as well. No, but it's, it's super like I, uh, I've never done like this was my first app in Flutter and it took me just hours getting started. And so, and this whole app is 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 done using it. So it's, yeah, it's just so quick getting started. If you know a little bit of other to, like languages such as uh, Swift or Kotlin or or Java or like yeah, any other language, Dart is really easy to learn. So yeah, getting started is just a breeze with Flutter. So I love it. Have you spent much time with React Native? Yeah, actually, my daytime job is is React Native. So yeah. How would you contrast the two ecosystems? So, well, in our experience using React Native, it's we have uh, we started out with native apps. So we kind of had React Native as an add-on. Yeah, the bridge between those is kind of what for, for our sake was kind of yeah, it's a little bit messy, but still, I think we are like save time using React Native for sure. I, I get a feeling that Flutter, with the fundamental model of uh, rendering from scratch using yeah, it was a Chrome rendering tool, something like that, I think. It's just better than using the native APIs that React Native is using. So, uh, in terms of performance and everything, so uh, I think I definitely believe more in Flutter than React Native. So, that, is that just a kind of an intuitive feel, or I think the the way that they contrast is that Flutter paints more directly to a lower level system, whereas React Native has to use this JavaScript bridge in many cases, and and the React Native people say that the message passing layer for the JavaScript bridge is actually not that the performance pains are not so bad that the underlying app is going to suffer in most cases. But I mean, I, I would agree with you intuitively. It seems like there's something about painting to a lower level 
compilation target that's just going to be more performant in the long run. Yeah, I think it's definitely intuitively a large part of it. But I think it's also like we had a lot of configuration issues. It might be that we had native apps already and we integrated React Native Native to it. There's been so many like small configuration issues with React Native for us that uh, like has what, what? like the bundler doesn't connect or like uh, yeah, what else have we run into? Like yeah, just like upgrading a, a React Native version and it doesn't work out with the other library we're using and stuff like that. So it's been a little bit messy in that sense. And I think I, I get a feeling that Flutter is more like the whole platform kind of, it's whole integrated, like even the dev tools, all the way from the dev tools to rendering layer to the, um, the UI components, you get everything in one, one thing. Do you have a preference for Google or Facebook in terms of the company building the ecosystem of developer tools that you're basing your career off of? I wouldn't say so. I mean, I, I think Google is, of course, more well-known. Well, not more well-known in terms of branding, but in the developer community, I think Google is more well-known, maybe. No, I, li- I like both companies, and especially the open source product that, that Facebook has been rolling uh, has been a really big help for us in our company. So that's been really, really nice. The thing about React is you have this huge network at this point. You have a network effect of people building all these React components. Do you think Flutter needs... Uh, some network effect like that in order to actually have a competitive ecosystem with React? Yeah, certainly. There is so many things, as you say, for React Native and also React that you just get for free, uh, especially like communication with Native, of course, but other things as well. But it's also like it's a lot easier to build custom tools for Flutter. Like if you want to, if you have a component in that you're using from NPM in, in React Native, you can kind of quite easily build that yourself in Flutter. So it's not too big of an issue, I think, to not have their community there. Yeah, certainly, like there, there is certainly some issues there that they need to, they need to get the ball rolling, kind of. Take me through the process of building an app in Flutter, like you did with Rivaly. Yeah, you just install, install the SDK and then you fire up. Yeah, I used Android Studio and a plugin for Flutter, googling some examples of how things are done and then copy pasting it and then trying to read the documentation and uh, just start from scratch basically and uh, get some standard components going and how does the developer experience compare to like let's leave performance out of it if how does the developer experience compare between the react native and the flutter experience so the hot reload in Flutter works much better for us. It works better in Rivaly than in our project, in our company's project. So e- even more immediate feedback in Flutter than in React Native and more consistent as well. Otherwise, I think they're very similar in terms of developer processes and uh, like it kind of everything feels very, if you have experience in React Native, Flutter feels very at home as well. So to summarize your experience with Find Collabs and building Rivaly there. From my perspective, you heard about Find Collabs on the podcast. You went to check it out. You heard about the the hackathon, so you knew you had a motivation to to start a project. You created a project, you you specced out Rivaly, just this idea for having a, a league or a competitive system for playing things like ping pong or chess or whatever in, in, in within an app and keeping score with your friends. You wrote down the idea, you created some roles like designer and programmer and project manager and just, you know, you specced out here are some ways that you could contribute to the project. Uh, and, and you started communicating with people who were coming in the door, although none of them ended up really joining and contributing meaningfully to the project. So you just kind of left up this project, you know, you were chatting with some people as they came in the door, and you just started building the project yourself, agnostic of the fact that nobody was really coming in the door and, and contributing to it. And then, you know, eventually the hackathon ended and and you got third place. Is there is there anything else, any other part of the, the holistic experience, any other blanks you want to fill in? Yeah, I, start, I started building the project and I think through the whole project, I thought like they're gonna join people as we go. Or, like there were some people interested, so maybe we just need to create a first beta and then people's gonna join up. So I think there was a continuous chatting and continuous people joining or the conversation and stuff like that during the whole project. So that was nice. It was not like in the beginning and then 
I coded everything and then it was released or it was more like a continuous thing. But other than that, I think it was a good summer. Okay. Any feature requests for Find Collabs? What do you think would make the product work more effectively? I love the idea of the issues system, like more bite size for sure. That would be my absolute top feature request. <laughs> Maybe, like, I don't know, like, is it any, there are some categories you can choose from. For example, it's, it's kind of hard to, I kind of wanted to find other apps, for example. It was kind of hard. That should be a category. I don't know why they couldn't find anything like that. But yeah, the issues, the bite size work items would be definitely my, my top mm. pick. The thing about the issues, the issues feature, there's so many project management tools already. There's like Asana, there's Trello, but I guess GitHub, you know, GitHub built its own issues system, or it built its own like little Trello board system. Maybe a Trello board is just something you want in a tool, or maybe this is a project management tool. I don't, that's, that's one of the things I don't really know is like I started it just kind of thinking, okay, this is the place to find collabs, but you kind of have this inevitable feature creep where, okay, maybe it's not just for finding collaborators, maybe it's also for doing the collaboration, or maybe that means I'm doing something wrong. I, I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a fine line for sure. <laughs> Do you use project management software? Do you use a Trello or a Asana or anything? Yeah, we, uh, I use Trello every day for personal uh, items and also Jira for, for work, so certainly. Yeah, and, and I mean, how, how much do you need out of a of a project management tool? I mean, Trello is so simple. Like, I, I've always preferred Trello to a lot of these more rich... Like, we started using Asana internally at Software Engineering Daily, and it was, it was I guess it was a little too much for us. Maybe Asana is better for bigger organizations, but if you have, like, a smaller organization, you, it seems like you kind of only need a basically a Trello board sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. We also tried Asana, but I, I totally agree. Like, uh, I didn't find the extra features needed. Like I just have to create another list on Trello and that's kind of, that worked well for us as well. So yeah, I totally agree. What do you use Jira for? I think mainly for like the sprint features, uh, the agile features. So we can have like a sprint there and everything. We had Trello before, but it was like a little bit too many items to, to have in one list. So we needed the backlog. We did want the backlog feature of Jira. But yeah, I think Trello would work for us as well, I guess. At the company that you work at, do you have hackathons internally also? We started a really small startup. We're doing a training app for horse riders. So it's a really small company. We're only like five to 10 people. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. No, we, we don't really have anything like that. We're more like really involved in the product and really love what we're doing there. So, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, but when you think about, so we built this thing called Find Collabs Organization. So like if you sign up with an email address then you get put into a, a Find Collabs organization. Uh, so, like, if you like, I sign up with Jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com, and I get put into my organization, and we can create private projects. So we can we can use it to manage some of our internal projects. Do you think that's useful as like a project management tool, or do you feel like you've got like all the project management tools you you really need within your startup right now? So uh, one thing. That I did think of, like when I heard this feature, uh, I was thinking like, because we're we're part of, in our office, there is maybe a hundred startup uh, in one place kind of gathered. So I was thinking like, maybe we could have some collaborations across company borders kind of, because that is kind of non-existent today. Like we, we have tried some really light collaborations between other startups, but it's never really uh, flown. So that was what I would like envisioned at first. So like, oh, maybe we can have some collaborations there. But I guess that would mean that we had to have like a common project of some kind at first, which I didn't really see right now, I guess, but it could could potentially work in that way, I guess. Yeah, but generally speaking, between Slack and and Trello, you've got you've got what you need. You you don't have really a problem managing business processes and stuff. Internally, definitely not. All of us in the same office, kind of. So it's it's kind of easy. Okay, makes sense. More generally, how would you like to see the the product proceed? How would you like to see Find Collabs evolve over time? So um, I would love for it to be the place of not only finding maybe collaborators to your product, but finding 
like projects overall, like like ideas or envisions, like some something like um, I think a lot of people say like the ideas are worth nothing kind of way. Like there's not ideas that makes products. It's not ideas that makes good companies or whatever. Uh, it's rather like the people and the execution. So like kind of a, a platform for ideas and ways of sharing and actually get products to a releasable state kind of. Absolutely. Any other side projects that you're working on or planning? So uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> the, the last projects I had was uh, event call it's called. It's like Facebook events into your Google calendar, which is a small hobby of mine. <laughs> so you basically filter out that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, sure, right? <laughs> so it's a Facebook actually has integration, so they can you can subscribe to like a calendar, uh, normal ICS, but they include everything that you don't respond to as well. So um, there's like a lot of events going into your calendar. So I, yeah, I just created a small filter online that just filters out those things in between Facebook events and Google Calendar. And what do you have to do to? To run it, you, is it like a browser extension? So that's the good part. Like, so so basically, you you enter the Facebook event URL into the website, and then you just get like another URL that you subscribe to in your Google Calendar. So it's just act as a filter in between. So it doesn't save anything. You just need any database or anything like that. You just just filter out some events and then just pass it on to Google Calendar. So whenever Google Calendar requests an update, it goes through my server. And then request from Facebook, and it filters out on the way back. So it's pretty simple. How do you balance your time between work and side projects? Yeah, I'm really passionate about like projects in general. So uh, most of the time, my time goes to those things <laughs> anyway. So I guess I see kind of work as a side project. Now that we are such a small startup and we have a like a small product in our in development, so it's just a matter of. Like prioritizing between between like different side projects is, is kind of work as well, if you see what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been really fun talking to you. Do you have any closing thoughts or closing discussion points you want to talk about? Yeah, we'd love to see another Flutter episode on, on Software Engineering Daily. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you will. You will for sure. I'm sure I can I could reach out to those Google folks again. I mean... Those episodes have been really popular. Those have kind of been surprisingly popular to me. And my little brother is also really in love with Flutter. Yeah, I saw the React Native episode was like one of the most popular, I think, the other day at least. People want this cross-platform stuff to be a reality. And it, it, I mean, it's such a drag on productivity, the way that, that the ecosystem has developed. Here's the thing that I'm, I'm wondering. Do you think that... The Alexa, Google Home thing. Is this like cross-platform wars 2.0? I, I kind of hope so. I really enjoy doing voice commands. So if, if those, those platforms take off for real, that would be really amazing. Well, I think they're taking off. But I, I'm saying like the, the frictions between them remind me a lot of the, the iOS versus Android ecosystem. Like if you talk to anybody who's building these voice apps, I mean, I think today the two platforms are quite similar but Google seems to be just just pulling out ahead in terms of the NLP and the and the advanced stuff. But anyway, I don't know. Maybe that's for a different show. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really heard much about the uh, complexities of building for those platforms. I've never tried it myself. But uh, yeah, I don't know. If it, is it difficult to build? Like, is it complex to build for those platforms? Have you tried? I have not. I don't think it's that hard to build a pretty basic flow. I think it gets more complicated if you're trying to do more complicated stuff, but most of the time the user requests are, are fairly simple, like you know, order me an Uber for you know from point A to point B, and the scope of a given application, the the number of things that you would want to do on a I think on a mobile application are much given a, a, the visual interface. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't thought about this enough, and and I haven't I haven't done it firsthand, so I probably shouldn't talk about it in detail. But from the people I have talked to, building voice apps today is not too hard for most applications. Yeah, and no, I, I mean the demo from Google I/O this year where they like fired off I don't know thirty commands. I just in 30 saw seconds. that. I just saw that. Wasn't that mind blowing? Yeah, I mean it was so cool. Can't wait to try that. <laughs> You're a, a Android user. Uh, kind of both right now, but mostly iOS. 
uh, been yeah. Really? Are, do you think you're gonna are you gonna stick around with that? Was because I mean the the lack of of a good voice command support is just uh, it's tragic. So it's mainly for work. Like I had an Android before, but then I started developing for iOS mostly. So it's like oh well, I need to get used to this platform. So I kind of long back to the Android days, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the the Pixel 3a sounds amazing. So I agree with that. Okay, well, Simon, thanks for coming on the show. It's been really fun talking to you. I appreciate you checking out Fine Collabs, being a a serious user. You know, please please keep in touch. I really hope you keep using the platform. You know, we're about to do the second hackathon, and I hope you'll participate. Cool. Thank you so much. Wow. 